Welcome to Very Honored Fraternity's Esoterra Nerd Podcast, episode 47, in which I interview Jason Augustus Newcomb. But first, I wanted to let you all know that the David Bowie Oracle Cards Deck 6 is now available for download. I was speaking with a guest that's going to be uh, in an upcoming episode of The Esoteric Nerd, Jonathan Sims, and he pointed out that David Bowie and Brian Eno themselves actually used a very similar method called Oblique Strategies. If you're in front of a computer, pull up the URL edward-reeb, and that's R-E-I-B, dot com forward slash Bowie. No hyphens, no spaces, nothing. Eventually, there will be 31-plus decks and 31-plus corresponding key cards. The key cards will be used to determine which deck you will draw your answer from. The first seven decks, Deck 0, Liza Jane, through Deck 6, Aladdin Sane, are currently available for download, with instructions on how to print them and how to use them. Our guest tonight caught the occult community by surprise with a very fun advertisement for the Enochian chess set that he's producing. Enochian is the language of the angels. And if you haven't seen it, I sincerely hope that after we're done here, you will go look it up and watch it because you should. Each set includes complete instructions, including two variants that can actually make the game fun to play. And so, without further ado, let's get to that interview, shall we? Greetings, Fratter. Welcome to the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. Hi. I, I love the ad. I mean, just to start off, that, that was great. Thank you. Thank you very much. That I... was a lot of fun. Are those relatives of yours in the... Uh, Yep, those are my kids. Nice. <laughs> Very cute. <laughs> um, and yeah, we, we decided that uh, we were going to put together some ads. That's that's really going to be the first of, of a number of, of ads that are going to be coming out. Well, if the other ones are anything like that, then I look forward to it. <laughs> that was that was hilarious. Cool, yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to do that one first because, uh, well... My kids, my kids wanted to be a part of it. They like to be a part of things. So yeah. I love the shirt that your older daughter was wearing. Yeah, that's from my my book, uh, The New Hermetics. That's, oh, that's, cool! That's the symbol from that. My name is Jason Augustus Newcomb. I don't think we've we've said that. Um, so oh, yeah. <laughs> I said it in the intro, but yeah. Uh, I, oh, okay. If you Terrific. don't mind, I, I if I nerd out a little bit, could would you mind breaking down the meaning? Because I know most uh, esoteric nerds know the meaning right off the top of their head of your of those three names. But uh, what does Jason mean? Um, Jason is a is a, a Greek. Uh, hero he is oh uh, with the argonauts right yes he was with the argonauts he's actually um the the name that um jo- joshua was often converted to jesus uh, in in greek times so 
Um, the name Jesus and the name Joshua and the name Jason are all sort of cognate oh, terms. Okay. In a lot of ways. My my mother named me Augustus because she kind of was a, a a magical thinker in some ways, although she considers herself very logical. But I was born in August, and um, they were somewhat interested in astrology at the time. So I had I have this picture of me in a cradle that my dad made that he'd made like. Um, uh, stained glass on either side that was there two signs and then there's a sun on top that you that, cool. that light would shine through and then in the back was like a a glyph of my of, of like a, it's like a lion and a sunrise it's like a um i've, I've got it somewhere nice. <laughs> it's, it's sort of a magical symbol that they created for me um so I mean, they they were they they weren't really interested in in occultism in the way that I've grown to be interested in it, but they certainly um, there was there was there were interesting things around the house for me to discover as I grew up. Uh, let's put it that way. Uh, my my last name Newcomb, I believe it means like new town or something like that <laughs> in in uh, in uh, English, old English. Um, my my fan, one of my family names is Kells, uh, which is either Germanic or Irish. We're not really quite sure which branch of that is. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, my children, I all na- I named fairly consciously. Uh, my first daughter's name is Aurora, which is the goddess of the dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second daughter is named Elena, which is the um, Greek, the Greek um, Helena. You took uh, my queen. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Aurora was, uh, I, I love how I'm learning the dark arts while I play. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And my, and my son is Apollo, and, and he, uh, he's the one who says... Uh, Osiris is a black is god. Black. Yeah. Now, uh, now, was that a reference to just the fact that he was holding up the earth piece? Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> But I think that's a Crowley mentions that in one of the ethers. Okay, okay. And it, I think it actually, um, it, it's it, it's referenced somewhere in in ancient writings as well. Okay. Uh, but uh, it just it just sounded like a funny thing. Yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> Good close. Especially especially to freak out my parents. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so they so they all have fairly magical names. Very cool. Oh, oh yeah, and my 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 wife named all their mid- the daughters' middle names in various forms of Anne. There's Anastasia and Annabella because her middle name is Anne. Mm. And since my middle name was Augustus, we wanted to somehow honor the fact that my mom had named me after the month. So um, Apollo's a Scorpio, so his middle name is Scorpius. Nice. He's Apollo Scorpius Nuga. <laughs> and Anastasia, the resurrection. Yeah, he 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 seems a little bit like a he may be a supervillain from his name. that's awesome we'll see so uh i i became very interested in um uh, occultism largely golden dawn stuff and and alistair crowley stuff Mm -hmm. um pretty early on around age um 12 or 13 was the was when i really got seriously interested although i'd I'd had a a set of tarot before then Mm um and uh the um, the 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 themes of occultism in my life pretty much came up pretty early. I became very interested in Kabbalah. Um, I I had uh, um, mostly like Golden Dawn oriented Kabbalah. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. only been in the last really probably ten or fifteen years that I've really realized how quite different Hebrew Kabbalah is from right. from Golden Dawn Kabbalah and and how much they really don't they don't really interact very much at all. Um, and I'm somewhat interested in the in the in the Jewish version, although not as a, a personal religious thing. Just sort of, I'm I'm kind of a historical nerd of of, yeah. uh, of religious stuff. Probably, yeah, it definitely goes along with it. 
Yeah. <laughs> so um, my books, um, 21st Century Mage, mm-hmm. is really about the, the Holy Guardian Angel operation in a modern context. That was my first book that I published um, through Red Wheel Wiser, um, or Wiser Books at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, The New Hermetics is, is a book in which I combine... Um, a lot of ideas about uh, hypnosis, uh, non, non-induction-oriented hypnosis, uh, NLP, and that sort of stuff, along with magical work, um, and tried to create a, a kind of a, a way in which a person could be doing magical practices even when they aren't at their altar. You know, that, right, that, right. that there's, all, there's always ways of utilizing your, your uh, consciousness and your visu- visionary skills to be directing your life the way that you want them to go, even away from the altar. And I kind of got associated with that idea a lot, and people thought that I was sort of anti-ritual or something. Chaos magic or something, yeah. What? Yeah, like, chaos magic or just, just not interested in, in actual physical rituals, which I, which I never really tried to, um, you know, to say, but, <laughs> but I, I kind of got associated with that. Yeah. Uh, and then I wrote a third book called uh, Sexual Sorcery that was also published by Wiser Books, and um, and then I've kind of broken off on my own, and I've published quite a few other things. Probably the most notable of them is a book called The Book of Magic Power, in which I uh, combine together a lot of different stuff from everything from psychic development to um, sort of simple versions of ritual magic to um, uh, astral projection, all that kind of stuff, all, all kind of under one cover, and it's, it's quite an extensive book. It's got like over 200 different... Um, activities that you could <laughs> that you could explore within it and that one's done I, I self-published that one and it's actually done quite well um uh about as well as anything else that i've done um and that's available in a number of formats including audiobook at this point it just recently became an audiobook nice um so but you 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 wanted me to be on here talking about enochian chess so yeah let me just, just to give you a little bit i uh i i went through you know, Enochian was introduced to me during my Zelator initiation in the form of the Hierophant pointing to a northern tablet saying, these sure. are the three secret names of God. So I got the quote-unquote traditional pre-Crowleyan introduction to Enochian. And then when I got into 5.6, I learned all the calls and started working with the more advanced stuff and the watchtowers and what have you. However, I have never learned Enochian chess. And so even though I'm kind of like... I've left most of the the ceremonial magic life behind, and I'm focusing on yoga and meditation these days. I still kind of like the idea of learning Enochian chess one day. I want you to teach me Enochian chess right now here. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> and, I mean, and tell me about your background with it and whatever you can about it. And my my, my interest, I, I I I did join a, a a Golden Dawn order, and I and I've been through a few of the degrees in that, and I and I I've, I've been involved in other orders, but I did not I did not go all the way through to the five six in in Golden Dawn. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I but I did I, I do have a more um, a book relationship with the Golden Dawn, the the uh, Israel Regardi's big. Um, the first big one, the 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 Llewellyn soft cover um, Golden Dawn book was a was something that I've had for for many many years, and uh, has always been of, of interest to me. And and the the Enochian part in that book is is quite convoluted and confusing, really, <laughs> yeah. honestly, including including the discussion of Enochian chess. Now, um, as as far as I know, uh, there's no completely conclusive instructions on how Enochian chess would have been played within the Order of the Golden Dawn okay. that come down to us. Um, the Zaluskis have some material and they've and they and they in their in their they wrote a, a great book on Enochian chess. It's huge. Um, 
And in that book, they they discuss what they believe to be what the rules would be from from everything that can be inferred, and they and they think that it's pretty closely related to just four-handed chess um, uh, of the uh, Chaturanga. I think is right. The name you know, I th- I think I have that book. I just I, I haven't cracked it open yet, but it's a it's a big and intimidating book considering yeah. it's about a board game. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, you know, as far as um, the gameplay itself, it plays very similarly to chess. Most of the pieces move in exactly the same way. The queen moves in a slightly different way. Um, and I think the uh, knight moves in a slightly different way. I'll, I can't remember. You're catching me off guard. Oh, I sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, I haven't, I haven't actually played the game in, in uh, over a year myself. Oh, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the background of the project. Um, I had a I had a buddy of mine come in and stay with me for a few months, and at that time we were like, "Wouldn't it be cool if we made an Enochian chess uh, set <laughs> and 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 played it for a while?" And and we did, and we actually made I think three different versions of it. All of them had problems, and and this this version that I've created, I feel like it it actually plays fairly well because one of the problems is the pieces all look similar to each other, and if you just have the um, the color backgrounds on the little bodies of the Egyptian gods, or you know, on their clothing, it's sometimes very difficult to tell which piece you're even looking at on the board. So, um, so I've 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 made the color of the pieces very central to the to the um, the design of the pieces in order to really make it very obvious which element and which sub element they belong to. Right. Uh, so, uh, but I mean, the game itself is basically you know you've got uh, you've you've got four sets of of pieces, but they're each half of a of a of a normal chess set. Although there's extra um, uh, queen and and um, uh, a king in the in the situation. But mm-hmm. other than that, you've basically got um, a regular a half of a regular chess set, that, and each you you play it in a team manner so you've got the earth and water element working together and they go across the board along the the um the horizontal line and you've got the fire and air um element and they go across it up and down so basically okay. you're kind of intersecting each other in the way that you're that you're battling with one another and it makes for kind of an interesting gameplay um, but I mean, it's ultimately very similar to chess, and, the, and a lot of the strategies of chess play into it. And there's um, four boards, though. Yes, and there, and each of the four boards has a slightly different um, uh, arrangement of the elements and sub-elements. You know, the way that the the order of the Golden Dawn had it, and what and what that does is it changes the way that you set the pieces up. Whether you set up the the it, you know king queen uh, rook knight. Etc. Or or whether you make it queen knight rook, you know. So basically, whichever um, element is ruling the file of the one that is the um, the main the main pieces. You, you you said I think there's I think there's eight basic setups that you can have of mm-hmm. the pieces. But it does again. It doesn't really affect the game all that much unless you're an extremely experienced chess player, and, and that would or if you're using your... it for divination. And that's and that's the other thing is that is that a lot of times what you're doing is you're you're setting up a question and then playing out the game, um, and 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 the the way that the Golden Dawn the only the only way that the Golden Dawn I think from the, you know what the Zalewski say would would make it really related to divination was to start who got to start you'd roll a die, um, but then other than that you're playing chess so if you if you if you ask a question and you put someone in the seat of the of the answer that you don't want who's a really good chess player you're actually playing against your yourself on your divinity wow, you, know, you know because it's like it is still a, a choose your tarot game. reader wisely <laughs> <laughs> right. 
So, um, but I actually, I, I've created a couple of, um, of variants on the game that I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into here because then people wouldn't, wouldn't buy it. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> but, but that, I, I, you know, the good solid, the fact that it's not flimsy and, you know, that's a pretty good selling point. Yeah. And yeah. I, I would like to think that one day I would be motivated enough to sit down and, you know, whittle out of wood some little God forms. I'd well, like to. It's, it's interesting you say that because I because I actually start that was the first thing I started to do I, I actually have um, I think four out of the of the five different um, basic shapes of, of the king queen you know I was thinking I'd just make a, a set that would just have sort of it wouldn't it wouldn't have the detailed god forms on it it would just be sort of chess pieces that were somewhat like the um, the gods you know the general uh, way that they would be standing yeah. Uh, uh, and, and I and I thought that was okay, but then you know, in in looking at the the different forms, it seemed it suddenly somewhat seemed important to me that that there you know one of them had an, a, a crocodile head and one of them had a right uh, hippopot. You know, it seemed like that was too it was too much a part of what you were doing to leave that out and not have it feel odd. Yes. Uh, so then I then I switched back and I you know and I and I tried using just card stuck into those little um, standees and that worked okay. Um, like, like I said in the commercial though, you know, when you, when you buy a bunch of those little standees, some of them will grab the piece quite, quite strongly, but other ones will always be loose. And so you're constantly having your, your pieces fall apart while you're yeah. trying to play the game. And that's just not that much fun. But anyway, um, the, uh, the, the four boards, um, would really be most useful in, in if you're using it for divination. Other than that, any board, you know, really works fine if you're just playing it purely as a game. Right. But, um, a, a couple of my variants take into account the elemental nature of the of the squares, and so what square you're on becomes very important to how the how the game plays out. So, um, you know, I don't. <laughs> I think that you know we've we've had uh, hundred and fifty years of gaming since the Golden Dawn was right. was, was playing around with this idea. Yeah. And I think that, and I, and you know, I, I that's think that's why mine, Candyland's my, pretty boring too. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, in, in a way, Enochian chess is kind of like Candyland, you know, except that there's a little more strategy in it. But it's just you basically are just moving pieces around, and the and the rel, rel, the way the pieces move obviously is is different. But the, the the relative strength of the pieces is not is not different, and whatever whatever. Um, place they land on the board has no real relevance to the um, the way that the outcome of the interaction takes place. So there's really no um, the the boards themselves could just be regular chess boards, and it would still the game would still play essentially the same as it seems to be through the Golden Dawn. So um, I think there's lots of room for for um, developing for what's that? Yeah, for developing and and, and um, uh, evolving the game and. The, particularly the divinatory aspect of it, because the divinatory aspect of it is fairly interesting. There's, you know, uh, it, there's a bunch of different symbols on each on each square. Um, the uh, geomancy, which is something that I do. You, do you like geomancy at all? Or? Yeah, I've I've got um, concourse of the watchtowers in front of me by Tabitha Cicero. I think that that might actually help to uh, to give a boost to some some Enochian chests to bring in these extra symbols and bring in all the scales that Westcott had on his tablets. It'd be fun. absolutely. I, yeah, I've I've seen I've seen her stuff. Uh, yeah, I went to a talk and she had. A I want to. I've I've asked her twice to be on the. Uh, Esoteric nerd. If if anybody knows Tabitha and 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 check, uh, please please send word. I, I, know, 
I know. Her. <laughs> oh, I'll, you do. Oh, I'll be happy to send her. Let her know that I would love to have her um, on the Esoteri nerd. I, I, yeah, I'd love to have her and Chick. You know, but, but, um, you know, specifically uh, Tabitha to talk about some of this stuff. But yeah, they live about an hour away from me. So. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So does um, we probably have a lot of. Uh, you and I probably have a lot of friends in common that we don't realize we have. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Aaron Leach also lives down here in, in Florida. Okay. Now, I, uh, in my peripheral, you know, overhearing things, I, um, I recall there was a buddy of mine who was doing some research once on the specific the, – the changes in the deus officer – God forms from grade to grade that it's commonly thought of that it's, oh, well, that's Isis, that's Thoth, that's, you know, and, uh, but that they actually change from grade to grade and that it has to do with the way that Enochian chess is played or it has to do with which one's the king and queen on the well, elementally well, or something yeah. like that. You've, you've got, um, in, the, in the chess pieces, you've got four sets of those of those um, officers or divinities that are totally different from one another. So, I mean, it would make sense that in the in the one ten grade, you would be having Osiris and Isis because those are the, are the pieces in the game. Right. And, and if you and and then the the very next degree, uh, which would be is it is it air in the Golden Dawn? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, that that would be a totally different, and it would have like Khonsu and and a bunch of other. Um, more airy gods in yeah it. so yeah i mean that's that's very possible um yeah i wonder how many I mean golden say, dawn temples out there actually vary the uh, god form up for the deus officer from great initiation to great initiation it's an interesting question it's a, it's very that's very sort of subtle and i guess it's an esoteric nerd question huh <laughs> and you'd never be able to find out because they're the deus officers so who's right. going to ask them right are you <laughs> What are you are you are you visualizing or are you are you formulating Osiris here or are you formulating? Yeah. yeah. Or, there was one there was one imperator that I heard about. I, I I don't know if it was Falcon or something like that. And he was able the the uh, he would go around and say you didn't put enough energy in this god form over here and this one uh, this one's too strong you know and stuff like that. So the the Hierophantria was thinking you know who does this person think he is? And so she just put she put a uh, a red lion in the west just to you know just to test him. And so apparently he walked up and said yeah and this needs to go a little further south like Africa. And then he just kept walking and she was pretty blown away by that. But you know, I don't know if that's a real story. It's just something that I heard. Well, I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to believe that that is a true story. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know I uh, have like a handful of experiences in my life that I can point to and say something was going on there. And sure. so when I hear other people's stories, part of me just really wants to, you know, believe it. But I've got that inner skeptic. My grandpa was a scientist on my mom's side. So I, you know, well, I'm, that, I'm grateful for that. I, you yeah, know, I mean, that's for every is an important part of your psychology and should yeah, never be sacrificed. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun to put him, you know, in, in a cage for a little while and entertain all kinds of possibilities. Um, I, I heard another method um, where someone every time you make a move and the the. Uh, the god form lands on a piece, or maybe when the when the game's over, you know, when the whole thing and all the pieces are left, then you can take, um, you make a larger version of a truncated pyramid, and then you have individual colored and with the individual symbols, uh, you know, of each of the four sides and the tops. So you have, you mm -hmm. know, each of the letters, and then and so then you 
choose you know the particular ones appropriate for that square and then take the piece and put it on top and then project yourself into the god form standing on the piece and then open yourself up to your higher self to find out what the message is well i mean that sounds somewhat similar to uh the stuff that uh was it the Schulers in their in their anokian okay yeah i don't know the source on it i just i overheard yeah, the, someone telling uh, someone else to do that <laughs> I, th- I think it's actually a legitimately golden dawn practice right uh, that that you know Rigardi w- talked about uh, Chick Chick would probably be a good person or, or Tabby would be good people to ask about this yeah but but yeah I mean they would apparently build um, truncated pyramids and 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 then there would be um, you, there would be a, a a sphinx for each one so it, that would be based on the the elements that were um, of the 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 sides of the pyramid so you'd have like a, a you know cobbled together beast that would have you know earth hooves and a lion's head and the wings of an eagle or whatever uh, like the developing of the talismanic images and right and and then you'd have then there was a specific uh, god form that was related to each one and those were the same god forms that are in the Enochian chess set for sure um so i mean yeah it was kind of like a and and so and so it makes you kind of wonder is you know Enochian chess as a game is you know it's a, it's an interesting thing but how much could it could it actually be utilized for various forms of magic um particularly golden dawn magic since that's the only real context in which it would make any sense right um, but the um the, the game board's interesting because it's it's comprised of the squares of of the um of, of the tablets that are not archangelic it's all the ones that are um the under the crosses okay on the sides and and so it's basically the ones above like, as well. What uh, above the uh, is that? See, calling and commanding above the commanding. No, it's, just, it's so just the ones below. Just the below ones, which are all sort of just the angels, the subservient angels of the right. squares. And so it's almost like you're just dealing with the blind forces of the elements without any of the controlling factors being in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was as I think where where their heads were going with the creation of it, and so you have that feeling that it's just sort of like the the stirring of things without the without the controlling names or the controlling angels. So it seems like if if not divination, I mean, it seems like uh, it could be a good inspiration for fiction, particularly for someone who's a professional writer who has to come up with a new and funny and interesting and creative idea every week uh, to just kind of like play some Enochian chess and then write it down and go, okay, so Nephthys is on the subservient angel, heir of fire. What the heck does that mean? Oh, okay, we're going to bring in the mother-in-law and she's cooking and then the wind blows and everything catches on fire. Bam! would, I would find it very interesting if they took a sitcom and, and assigned each of the um, the God like, forms the, the players to the to the to one of the um, and, and and created a resultant story from that. That would be um, a, a very interesting way of approaching things. And I actually think I mean the card would clearly be the hierophant. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I think I think that um, in a lot of ways. I think that what you're talking about is one of the most useful aspects of magic in general, which is that it can inspire us to bring things from the invisible into the visible in various ways, whether that's right. just like visual art or whether, like you're saying, like creating story forms from it. There have been a number of writers recently who have suggested those sorts of things. You, know, you could use the tarot to inspire you to write and stuff like that. And I think those are great things. And actually, Philip K. Dick agrees with me. Apparently, um, The Man in the High Castle was, was actually constructed entirely from I Ching readings. Oh, cool. So, um, you know, that idea has been around for a while. 
Yeah, I mean, that, Philip K. Dick's an interesting writer. I don't know if you've ever... I, you know, I keep hearing that. I think I need to get into Philip K. Dick. It, it's it's funny because he writes in this sci-fi genre, and and it, and some of it seems he's inspired me indirectly through the movies. You know, for but, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, but his his writing is great. Um. Anyway, not to not to. Oh no, talk, I don't mind about my writing. Okay. I don't. <laughs> I don't mind diverging <laughs> into sci-fi. That's sci-fi is what actually interests me, and the reason why I don't know Enochian better than I do is because <laughs> I, I, there's always some you know another Dune prequel to read. But I do. Uh, I, I, to be to be to go into the even more nerdy, I do feel like a lot of people kind of um, mix up or conflate the three dimensional chess from Star Trek with the <laughs> chess. That, that would be cool. I would like but, to see that. Well, no, I think I think some people think that they're somehow related. That maybe the different the four different boards you're having. Right. To them well, all maybe, maybe they ought to be like Star Trek kind of predicted, quote unquote, or invented the flip phone. You yeah. know, and a lot of other technologies we have. Like maybe they predicted the use of well it was vulcans and so you know vulcans angels whatever you know sure <laughs> i like the i like the fact that the 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 that star trek predicted or the created a, an outdated technology yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so <laughs> Uh, why do why do we not have warp engines and and uh, food yeah. being created by uh, oh those replicators rep- well if they really got into the replicator thing then that it would completely. There was one episode where they. Oh, I, we're getting too nerdy, I think. But uh, that there was one episode where the bad guys were using food replicators to produce weapons. Sure. So if you can do that, then most of the episodes and most of the conflicts they ran into could easily be resolved through the replicator. <laughs> like any problem they had. Like, what are you doing? Why are you going across the universe? The replicator's right there. So that was yeah. It, it, it's sci-fi. I, I write some sci-fi myself. I have a sci-fi oh, podcast and whatnot. I lo- I love sci-fi. I write some sci-fi myself too. Cool. You're not. Although I haven't. I haven't. You know. I, I end up. I end up spending my time and energy on on uh, this um, things like making Enochian chess because right. that, like, an idea comes to me. I've by the way, I've literally been working on this Enochian chess thing for like three or four years. Nice. You know, off here and there. Um, uh, which is why I'm not as familiar with the gameplay because we were playing it like literally three years ago, quite a bit. <laughs> and we, uh, and I, but I've I've been more focused on the art aspect of it for a while. Right. Um, but so um, the w- while I have the bully pulpit here, I want to I want to mention a couple things about about my work because mm-hmm. uh, I feel like a lot of people aren't familiar with my work, or they, like I feel like some people have heard of my name and they don't really know what it's all about. Um, and I want to I want to mention that I, I've got a website jasonaugustusnewcomb.com, and on that site I've got about 200 different audio recordings, and these recordings are all guided meditations of one type or another. Some of them are are, are direct straight hypnosis things, but really only a few of them. Um, some of the things I'm most proud of that I've created are a set of uh, 22 path workings for the for the tree of life, and they're really quite innovative. Um, you know, there's a couple other people who've recorded path working things before, and typically it's sort of like a um, um, like a tour, like an imaginary tour, like here, and then look to your left, and you can see the god Ptah in his temple and and there's a there's a golden dagger on the ground and you pick up the dagger and you put you know and it's like this choose your own guided adventure that doesn't really necessarily have to do with anything other than what that author imagines mm-hmm. um, a path might be like do you know what i'm talking about yeah i did one of those actually in a couple episodes ago 
<laughs> you mean you made one or you? Yeah, were... yeah, I did uh, a tov up to Yasod, but I fully admit that it's my own, it's my own uh, style of doing it. And I actually was very disheartened one time when a, a student came to me and said, "Oh, that way that you did the tov path working that one time four years ago is how I've been going through tov ever since." And I just like <laughs> did a face palm. I was like, "Okay, I, I did something wrong. Sorry." But I mean, I, I mean, on the other hand, for people who have trouble visualizing and they're like in there going, no, "I got nothing." Then uh, it gives them something to kind of anchor down to, just to get through. Absolutely, the and, and I've, done, I've I've done those pathworkings a million times myself. I, I've actually um, led uh, groups up in Massachusetts, uh, do, going through the Tree of Life a, a number of times, and we've done just that sort of stuff. And we actually did um, a, on a couple of occasions. We did we ran through it, and basically every person would take a path, and so everyone would kind of go through each other's ideas of things. Yeah. Uh, which is an interesting way of approaching it too. But but my path workings are different because I really focus a lot on um, basically just base, very simple basic signposts and audio technology. I actually have um, different uh, binaural beats and um, uh, tones for, for the different energies. And so as you listen to them, you're basically being led through different layers of those things and all the different, um, recordings. So they're quite unconventional in, in the, in their structure. And if you sign up for my mailing list on my site, you actually can download the first one, the, the Tav path for, for free. Um, but, uh, they're, they're, you know, they don't, they don't, um, produce enlightenment, but they point out the direction toward um, becoming more centered and becoming more universal in your consciousness in a way that most pathworkings would not just simply by the way that they're constructed. So I, I think they're a very cool thing and something that um, I don't think enough people are really aware of. Nice. So hopefully, hopefully your 10 million viewers <laughs> will, will now be aware of it. Uh, <laughs> well, there's the people that'll hear it this week, and then this will be up there in perpetuity. So people will hear this five years from now too. I'm I'm catching up on some podcasts and you know some episodes from 2011 myself, and writing to the people saying that was really cool. I liked the point you made. They're like, dude, that was five <laughs> years ago. What are you talking about? I don't even remember what I was. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, the other thing that I'm really proud of that I've been working on for a while now is I is I have a um, a set of incenses and oils. Um, that are that are sort of they're based on traditional you know ingredients and so forth. But I've added a few things here and there to uh, I mean nothing that's that's like outside of the the sort of uh, language of of those things. But I I feel like I've I've produced a product. I mean because most of your traditional incenses and oils that really go to like grimoire, there's there's a there's an animal brain or the heart of a a pig in there somewhere and, and I don't have any of that obviously right. in my stuff. So yeah. um but so I mean I you know they're all they're all plant based. Um not synthetic? Uh there no, there's nothing since that synthetic. It's all it's all uh essential yeah. oils, gums and woods. And nice. there's no there's no like filler woods. A lot of yeah. um a lot of incenses will use just really sort of um pretty skanky stuff, you know, just to, to kind of you know give body to it and then they'll just throw right. some oil in to uh, and mine are all made from you know high grade stuff, so nice. uh, I'm very proud of them. And uh, I sell them on Amazon and on my site, um, at, and and uh, occasionally on eBay too. But but Amazon's probably the place to look for them. And they're just it's just called New, New Hermetics incense and New Hermetics oils. And the oils and the incense are totally related to each other. So um, and so like really what what I have been trying to create with this stuff is a way of um, 
of of getting into these magical realities in a way that's that's very sort of um, uh, consistent. You know, if you use if you use an, a particular incense and you listen to a particular sound every single time that you're working with that energy, it really begins to affect you in a in a much more profound way than if you, um, you know, just sort of haphazardly approach things. And so. Um, you know, not 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 a whole lot of people are are along for the ride with me so far. But <laughs> those that, oh, it, those we, that are, it happens every day. Yeah. Like when uh, when you know you hear that Game of Thrones theme and you pop open that beer, you know it's the same thing. The smell, right. the sound, the the people, the yeah, everything. It's a sacred act, and everybody's having having similar emotions. And it's it you know I mean it's kind of a canned emo, you know a canned ritual. Um, as a, you know, compared to something that you and I might do in a temple, but it's this def- definitely the same principle, and you can see it even more with theater. Yes, absolutely. I mean, or or, or any any form of theater, including including movies, they they do stimulate you in this in this way that draws you um, to to different states and stages in your in your consciousness. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's 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 great stuff. So. Um, I would love for people to come and check it out on my website if they can, and to buy to buy an Enochian chess set too, and to use it for divination. And you can, you know, I have I have uh, incense for the four elements. So if you wanted to like only burn my my earth incense when you're when you're playing on the earth chess set, I think that it would make your um, experience of that of that of that chess play much more magical, just inherently. Yeah. Well, I definitely you had me with the humor. That's that's an element that uh, isn't always present. I mean, the, it's the the combination of the serious magician and the humor. Well, I actually, after I launched it, it, I, it, it occurred to me. I don't. Is there has anyone ever done anything funny with uh, with a Nokia chess? Uh, with <laughs> Nokia chess, I've, I think I'm the I've first. I've done one or two funny occult things. I have a, a stand up routine called "You Might Be an Initiate," but you know, <laughs> has a very limited appeal. But um, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, there's a few people. The, there's the Colorado Temple. They have. Uh, they have the Sesame Street uh, God forms, and oh, okay, yeah, you know, they, there's a few funny things in Golden Dawn here and there. Yeah, I mean, I, I consider myself a humorist first and foremost. I actually became interested in the occult. Well, that's not true. I I realized that 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 I really could create magic in my life very easily at about the age of 18, and and um, you know, I, I like I said, I started reading books at 12 and 13. I did a bunch of rituals and stuff in my teens, but the time when I really said, you know, I think this magic. Is something that I could apply myself in in a in a in a in a way that's going to um, change my life for the positive was a very unmagical act, and I was it was actually I was about to perform stand up comedy for the first time, nice. and and I said to myself I'm going to create a little talisman for Thalia, the muse of comedy, and mm-hmm. I'm going to put it in my pocket, and I'm going to bring it with me to this thing, and it was very you know it's just a very simple um, crude magical act that didn't involve a whole lot of ceremony, and I crushed it. You know, nice. I, I was, I, you know, it was like, the, it was probably one of the better stand-up performances I've ever uh, had. Yeah. In terms, not in terms of my material, but in terms of the reaction of the crowd and how much, you know, it all just went really well. And, uh, and I went, you know, that really was, that was because of my talisman in so many ways, you know, yeah. not, you know, be, because of the, I approached it differently because I had that talisman and, and that's kind of been my philosophy of magic, that magic is something um, and, I, and I've become more conscious of it as I've gotten older. But magic is something that we do when we realize we're facing odds that are incalculably against us, and we need to we need to have something something to help us a little bit, you know. And and even yeah. if it's an irrational thing that's not really going to help anything, doing that magical act make gives us more strength to move forward. 
Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why magic as a profession has always existed and probably will always exist because most people don't, they're, they're too lazy or they don't know how to make something magical for themselves. So if they can get someone else to give them some sort of magical object that they can keep with them, it's just as powerful, if not more powerful than, than them doing it for themselves. Cause they're, you know, they're, they're putting their faith in that outside force and what they've done. So, right. uh, you know, magic is, is something that I think is, is, uh, very useful, um, Although I think that um, what your your current path of, of uh, yoga and, and meditation... Well, they definitely overlap. I, I have a podcast called To Be a Yogi and another podcast called uh, The Esoteri Nerd. And the only reason I keep them separate is because most people think of them separately. Um, the people who are into yoga aren't going to be into a smorgasbord of stuff that includes yoga here on the side. Right. And, uh, and people who are interested in the occult aren't necessarily going to immediately be interested in yoga. But my, my intent, well, one of my, you know, uh, uh, ulterior motives is to sort of lure people over from for out of the the books and and you know just to ma not permanently put down the magic wand but just long enough to do some stretches because you really enjoy the rituals a lot better after a good yoga set but um but what you were saying just now about the talisman reminds me uh recently i've i've been discovering that when i close my eyes and use Basically, the God form method, um, just sort of a quick God form method of becoming the image of Shiva, uh, the, the, the yogi of all yogis, sure. right before I teach my class, that's when I hit it out of the park. I mean, absolutely. And, 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 and right there, that's, that's, my, that's my new hermetics right there, what you just said. You know, you don't actually have to physically make a talisman. You can just make a talisman in your consciousness, and that's the same. You're, you're tapping into the same thing. Yeah. Um, and and you know often those magical acts and this is one of the, you mentioned something else that I want to get back to with mm -hmm. the building at Nokian tables in a second. Often those magical acts that we do spontaneously with very little prethought um, have more impact on our lives than those that we put huge amounts of of uh, study, time, research, and and physical construction into. Simply mm -hmm. because those 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 um, p little simple magical acts are purely coming from the need to make something happen or the desire to make something happen or the circumstances. Whereas that, that research project, we've almost put more interest and energy into the construction of the thing than, than the actual, whatever the end goal was. Right. And so it's kind of, it, it, it's contained within the object itself rather than the, than the, than the magic. Um, so I, I think it's, it's interesting how many people spend a huge amount of time constructing um, magical tools. Now, I, I, I sell some magical tools, so I don't want to discourage people from doing this entirely. <laughs> but but um, my, my next commercial is going to deal with, uh, well, no, it might not be my next commercial, but one of the commercials that I'm going to do relatively soon is going to deal with my magical circle cloths. I don't know if you've seen those. In, on, 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 but, I, but it, you know, and I, and I think those are, those are great. I actually, I love... Oh, I have seen those, yeah. I love to be within them because I feel like they, they really do, they contain your energy in a really special way, but um, not, not inherently because of them, but just, just being in a physical circle is, is uh, an empowering experience and a, a very brightly colored one is, is very powerful. So, um, but a lot of people spend so much time and energy constructing things. Um, and then they don't actually do anything at all with them, you know, they, and it, so it almost seems to me like it would be easier if they just started doing, 
their ritual work and developing their inner visionary skills and developing their, their ability to move energies in their bodies, their ability to connect with things outside of themselves, and let the construction of those things happen as it will if it needs to, right. rather than the other way around. Because then you end up with this very expensive, elaborate temple equipment and no idea what to do with it, because you just have no experience yeah. with anything other than, you know, painting temple equipment. Right. Um, I mean, especially like that Golden Dawn uh, uh, temple stuff. I've seen a number of people who just spend so much time and energy building every single like piece of regalia for the Golden Dawn yeah, stuff. Yeah, and rebuilding and rebuilding and repainting yeah. and not being <laughs> satisfied with and doing it over again. And yeah. yeah. And then I'm going to get to the rituals once I yeah. have all the <laughs> well, I mean, I on the other hand, I have a few tools that are yellowing a little bit. And McGregor Mathers said at one point that it's better to have no tool at all than one that's dirty or yellowing, that you I, could invoke the opposite force and all this stuff. I almost feel directly opposite of that personally. Hmm. I feel like if I have an object that is too new and shiny looking, I can't even see that it's magical at all. But once it's been like smeared with ritual right. oil. Like an and, old rosary. Yeah, it's, was it, it just, the, it, in that movie about the uh, about Fatima. There was the the, the man. Uh, oh, you you used up all the blessings. You need a fresh rosary. <laughs> right. New rosaries for old ones. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. So yeah, I mean, I think that I think that um, you know uh, the the magical revival that probably began in the '60s has kind of been you know, maturing into an entirely new sort of thing. And there's all kinds of different directions in which we can go. And I think um, what, to get back to, to circle back around to what mm -hmm. I, was, I, I was starting, my starting point of it was, I think utilizing these things to enhance our actual life goals is really the, the, the most useful thing yeah. to do. While you're, uh, I, if I may interject, because that reminds me, the, the least useful I wanted to mention is... Um, is 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 using it to isolate oneself and feed into a state of paranoia and even least useful than that is to bring other people down with you and and uh I've experienced that which is kind of why it, uh, Noki and and a few other golden dawn elements have left a sour taste in my mouth and yoga hasn't <laughs> well so. i mean you know the 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 paranoia is one and also megalomania or or yeah. just you know, like well, they go together yeah like, <laughs> megalomaniacs tend to be paranoid yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but i think i honestly think that's a personality type and that that person is if they if they were to join you know a um a, a book club they would end up doing the same thing <laughs> they, you know their yeah. their understanding of of the book is way better than anyone else's yeah yeah you know so i i don't i, I don't think deep we can... into darkness when it you know with stuff like this you know with the unknown and with the spiritual and with for sure read for it sure. backwards and, it... and it's demonic mm. <laughs> Um, yoga has a cleaner aspect to it, although I think well, there's Bikram. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's certainly it's always the exception. Yeah, yeah and I, I think that you know, and even outside of that, there's there's lots of possibilities for people to kind of um, congratulate themselves right. over much for being able to stretch well. Yeah, and not not <laughs> actually get any of it. Yeah, yeah. Any, any, uh, any degree. Yeah. You know, because there, are, I mean, there. I used to go to a class in Los Angeles when I lived out there, um, uh, and and there would be some some girls in there who were had clearly been doing ballet since they were you know two years old, and they could you know they could just do some uh, 
amazing things that no one else in the class could and possibly. then roll their eyes and judge the person next to them it's like i don't think you know <laughs> right. the basics and, of yoga <laughs> yeah. what's that and then it's like i don't think you know the basics of yoga right you're not you're not really here for the right reasons yeah 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 i want to show off how much i can stretch <laughs> i i do i do like to show off how much i can yeah stretch. me too yeah i'm like kidding <laughs> But I, I, I'm in the front of the class and everybody's looking at me, so I, you know, I have to. <laughs> Did you have any other questions about uh, Enochian chess or about? Uh... So its origin is in the original Golden Dawn, as far as we know, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it seems like it's it it comes from um, Westcott was a was a was a chess uh, aficionado, and I think you know <laughs> he 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 saw in those um, yeah lesser squares that there was a chessboard hidden I in the see. tablet i see and, and i think that's where it came from honestly i mean sense. we could say no no it was the it was the continental adepts who <laughs> had been holding it back in 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 the uh akashic records and finally allowed it to come into physical manifestation but i mean i, I honestly think it was more it was it was a it was a production of um you know some some guys who were who were in a in a fever of esoteric creativity and and created a lot of amazing things that are still having repercussions throughout the world even even today over 100 years later so um almost 150 years later yeah so i you know i i, I think it's a cool thing even if its origin really is only in the golden dawn and, right <laughs> you know, like um and uh, you know the 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 all the the idea of the tablets and their elemental and sub-elemental nature. I mean that seems to begin really with the Golden Dawn as well. Um, although I think that there's a book that precedes the Golden Dawn that mentions it somewhat, um, but it was more elaborated by the by the Golden Dawn. Yeah, it was all laid out flat, and then Mathers looked at it and thought, "Hey, we could make a cube out of this and put one over right. there and one over there." Yeah. So you know, I mean, I think that. Um, the it, we we can in in the same way that we were just talking about utilizing it for creativity either directly or indirectly we can we can take that idea and we can utilize it in a number of ways to to create meaningful connections in our lives um, and also we can play it as a fun board game too yeah <laughs> and a way to learn about those gods that are you know the subtle differences between the different elements and yes yeah. so it's a teaching tool and a and a, a, a fun game and, and a way to honor our eccentric, uh, you know, sort of our collective eccentric ancestors back yeah. in uh, wherever in the world you come from. You know, we're all one family and we're cousins of the fish and the insects and all that. So no, I just I just want to again plug plug all my stuff. It's, you know, those those kids in, the, in, in, in that commercial, they, they eat a lot and, <laughs> and, and they, they need to be supported. Um, and so, you know, I do, I have, um, my site, jasonaugustusnewcomb.com has a ton of downloadable stuff. A lot of it's actually for free too. Um, there's, there's some things that are more initiatory and there's some seasonal stuff and all of that utilizes the different tones that I was mentioning. And so just listening to that free stuff, you'll see what, it, if you, if you listen to it a number of times, you'll see how it does kind of change your consciousness as long as you're. As long as you're going along with it the first few times and really trying to enter into those energies, you'll find that you're just starting to go in there automatically as you're going forward. Um, it's quite cool stuff, and um, I, I'd love to have more people partaking of it and more people aware of it. Um, 
my my uh, my other products. I've got a ton of stuff um, with with a partner. I've, I'm making a bunch of different talismans from different grimoire traditions. We've got um, all the goetic talismans. Um, we've got uh, the the black pullet talismans made in satin and um, bronze steel for the rings. They're super cool if you're interested in that kind of stuff. Um, nice. that, that that can be found on Etsy.com. At uh, the the shop name is Enochian Antiquarian, um, and uh, there's some other stuff on that on that site too. Um, Antiquarian. So, Antiquarian. So like antique aquarian. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Enochian Antiquarian. And um, that's that stuff. Um, I also have my incense and oils. I've got my circles. So I've got I've got like a, a mazil. I've got probably somewhere right around a thousand different products if you consider each of the individual components um, available in the world. Um, so you can spend all of the money that you have in the world to have all of the coolest things in the world if you want to. Well, again, thank you very much for uh, for joining us on the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. It was my pleasure. It was really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. And I, I hope to have you on again. If you uh, come out with a book or anything like that, feel free to drop me a line if you want to come on here and let people know about it. I will absolutely stay in touch. And um, there will be more commercials coming. So nice. I hope that people continue watching them and sharing them. Cool. It was, it was a little surprising how many people watched there. Oh, it was so people. good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Absolutely. Have a good day. You, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jason Augustus Newcomb, for joining us on the Esoteric Nerd Podcast tonight. Thank you to Susumu Ueda for arranging the music we're listening to right now, and to his father and the other monks at the Jofuku Inn Temple on Mount Koyasan, singing sacred chants, the medieval Japanese approximations of Sanskrit and Pali words, the same chants heard in all languages. Special thanks to David Bowie, to John D. and Edward Kelly, to William Wynne Westcott, and Samuel Little McGregor Mathers. And Budge. Don't forget Budge. We see you over there in the library. We know you helped out. Stairway to heaven. <laughs> Silly Budge. And most importantly, thank you to you, the Esoterra nerd, listening to this podcast. Until next time, good night.